America's live and underway here on ESPN Plus alongside Hercules Gomez. I'm Sebastian Salazar coming to you from the Big Kids studio today. Right. Look at these uh, beautiful, beautiful surroundings for this special 115th episode of the show, the show that comes immediately Herc, after the draw, which I know for you was like the longest day in recorded history. What did you do, like a 14-hour shift for the Deportes? I, I did. Yeah, they made me wake up at 5 a.m., up at 6, and be ready to go on air at 7. Didn't go on air until 9.15, by the way. Well, I, as, as surely you proved on Friday, there's much to discuss. We're going to talk about the U.S. draw. We're going to talk about Mexico's draw as well. Mauricio Pedrosa will be by uh, to discuss that a little bit later on in the show. Julie Foudy is going to join us as well. A big weekend in the NWSL, uh, the Chan Clasico, Herc, they're calling it. Also some big news for the U.S. women's national team. Plus, we'll recap the weekend that was in Major League Soccer. You don't like the Chan Clasico? It's up there with El Tráfico. Okay. So. I don't know if you mean up there or you mean down there. And, of course, as you see on your screens, uh, you can always listen to this show in its audio form via podcast. Let's start with the United States, then drawn into Group B for the 2022 World Cup in Qatar alongside England, Iran, and a... Team TBD, one of three out of a European playoff will either be Ukraine, Wales, or Scotland. Of course, we know the uh, history with England, 2010, a draw. 1950, Herc, a, a win over the English. You remember that a one. A historic upset. Uh, yeah, right. I'm not the old one on the desk today. And uh, Iran, of course, they, they showed, off, showed down in 1998, uh, Iran beating the U.S. in that group back in France uh, many, many moons ago. All right, so as we look at the group and what we know of it, are the U.S. favorites for you to advance as one of the top two? To advance? Mm-hmm. Oh, that all depends for me on who that playoff team is. Really? So just, just, just looking at it as it is, you don't feel comfortable enough to say they're advanced? No. If it's Wells, I think it's a toss-up. If, if it's any other team, and, and that, we'll get into the added layer mm-hmm. of everything involved. I do think they're, they're a favorite to advance, yeah. But, I mean, as a number two, okay. the, the favorite in this is England. So just real quick on, on Wales, because we're looking here at the, the three teams that it could be out of Europe. So you're saying if it's Scotland then the U.S. are favorites to get out of this I think group. So, if it's yes. Ukraine, the U.S. then are favorites. But specifically Wales. So you're telling yeah. me that, that if Wales and the U.S. played on a neutral site, you think Wales is the favorite over the Americans? Yeah, I, I don't know about favorite, but I think it's a No, that's what you're saying. That's what you're saying. If you're saying that the U.S. is not a favorite to get out of this group if Wales gets in, well, then you're saying Wales is the better team. No, I'm saying And on a neutral field. How, how are you a favorite in a toss-up is what I'm telling you. Okay. So that's the thing for me. Like, Wells is a, is a very interesting team. I mean, uh, a team that went uh, very far, uh, what was it, Euros 2016. Yeah, that's six uh, years ago, though. That's like ancient no, history. No bro. problem, no okay. problem, no problem. These two teams faced off a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, neutral venue, I believe. Are you not being a little bit like, oh, they have Gareth Bale? I am. Maybe okay. prisoner of the moment. Yeah, because what I saw We're in that prisoner playoff. Prisoner of the superstar, right? Maybe what I saw in that playoff, and they got some decent players, but what I saw in that playoff was scary from Gareth Bale. And I know what they say. Gareth Bale's going to put Real Madrid behind him. He's going to put anything else. He's going to put golf in front of him. But when it comes to Wells, it's different. And a player like that, in the world's biggest stage, uh, in a game that I think is a toss-up, it's a scary thing to think of. Uh, I reference their success in 2016 as if it were ancient history. We, we can mention the last Euros, too. They did quite well. They got yeah. out of a group that featured Italy, Turkey, and Switzerland. The only game they lost was against Italy. And that was one nothing. That was in Italy, the defending that champions. That Italy, yes. So, right. I mean, you got to say that this Wales team is potentially Ramsey, tough, tough to beat. Games. Generally, if we look at the group, and, and you know, I know we can't because we don't know who that third team is, but generally if we look at the group, when you saw this, were you more worried coming out of the draw or relieved? Which of those two emotions did you gravitate to? No, no, towards? definitely definitely relieved. Okay. It could have been worse. So you're saying they're not favorites, but you're not that worried. 
I mean, it's the World Cup. You should always be worried, but there are definitely more difficult groups you could have been mm -hmm. in, especially if you look at your rival, and we'll get into Mexico in a second, but thinking that you have England, who, by the way, uh, you could say what you want, and they're still a very scary team. Yeah, they're a pot one team. Pot one team, very good player pool, um, a, a team that everybody's going to be gunning for because, I mean, right. they were, if you look at it, I mean, they're one of the World Cup favorites. They went up yeah, uh, those in odds, odds right? when this group came out. They yeah. went up in odds. So. so they did. Let's look at that. They're plus 600. And that puts them at third best odds uh, to win the World Cup, England, which is pretty surprising. But then I think, you know, what you have to take is into consideration. Well, a lot of the, a lot of the sports a books are in London. Okay. So I think they've well, factored to the on. fans. Okay, let me, let me get okay. a guy from Vegas. Give me a guy, a guy from Vegas a second. Think about this for a second. We're talking about 2018 mm -hmm. World Cup semifinalist. Mm -hmm. Okay. We're talking about the Euros against that Italy team with that amazing, unbeatable run, finalist. And they lost some penalty kicks. Okay, like it's not that crazy to think this very, very good pool of players is one of the World Cup favorites and definitely the group favorite. All right, so they're, they're a favorite, uh, one of the favorites to, to win the World Cup. Uh, let's see what the English press is saying, though, because there's always an, an interesting reaction from the uh -huh. British press. When the draw comes out, especially you know, Herc, uh, you went through it in 2010. I did. Uh, when the Yanks are in that, uh, in that draw. So Champion, we see huh? what I think we would classify as optimistic uh, response here from the English media as far as the draw is concerned. Is that what you're going to say, optimistic? Yeah, yeah. As far as England is concerned, like, what do you think of the matchup? You know, because they're the, they're the team that scares you the most. Um, in terms of who's in the group, but of the of the pot one teams, I think you could have done a lot worse. Uh, you could have done a lot worse for sure. I mean, think about it. I mean, everybody in that pot one wanted wanted Qatar. I know they're a host nation. I know more often than not, I think I believe South Africa is the only host nation ever to advance out of the out of their uh, group stage in the World Cup. But you would want Qatar. the USA in '94, bro. <laughs> What do you, they advanced that? Yeah, yeah, you yeah. said you said too advanced. You meant not that didn't advance. I said not advanced. Okay. Don't mm -hmm. correct me when I'm when I'm doing my bit here. Point, oh, <laughs> uh, but think about this, Seb. Oh, yeah, think about this. Brazil. I think I'm a full thought out on this show and since we started. <laughs> you're me I can't interrupt. Brazil. You wouldn't want to face Brazil, would you? No. No. Not compared to England. Argentina, what, 31 unbeaten games right now. You wouldn't want to face them. There are plenty of other teams you wouldn't want to face. England's a very scary team, yes. But maybe just the arrogance that the uh, English press has shown in the past and today overlooking teams. Does that uh, filter down to the team, though? No, I don't think this team. Is it bulletin board material for the Americans? Absolutely. Then? That's where the value Absolutely. is, right? Because it, it, it was when we played England in the 2010 World Cup. You can say whatever you want of that 1-1 uh, match in the Robert Greene era. You could say whatever you want, but that's in the back of your mind. Uh, that's a disrespect. That's something you're playing for. And the United States men's national team is different times than now 1950 and 2010, but they're still undefeated versus England. We, uh, we look at pot one, right? The other teams, Brazil, Argentina, Spain, France, Portugal. I think all of those you would rather see England then, right? Yeah. Maybe you get down to Qatar. Obviously, Qatar you'd rather have faced. Uh, you said Belgium you would have rather faced than England. I would. But those are neck and neck, right? Well, so just, just because England's it, about as good a pot one team as you could get. Yeah, Be Belgium just because they're more of an aging team. And I think they will have more of the ball. And the, the U.S. men's national team doesn't really do well with teams that will sit in on you. I don't think Belgium will sit on sit in on you. I don't think they'll defend that way. They they need teams to allow them, afford them that space. So just going off matchups. If fights make matchups, like if you know the styles make make fights, and I'm, I'm going off uh, that. I wonder if also familiarity has something to do with matchups. We look at it right now. Premier leaguers on the U.S. men's national team. You got Zach Steffen, Christian Pulisic, Josh Sargent, who may or may not be a Premier leaguer when this World Cup rolls around, depending on where he goes and, and what happens with Norwich. But if you look at some of the other guys, right, that have been linked to the Premier League, Weston McKinney, Tyler Adams, Brendan Aronson, plus what if Fulham goes up? 
You got Tim Ream, Anthony Robinson. You got like almost 10 guys at that point that play in the Premier League. I would think that would be a huge confidence boost, not just for those 10 guys, but for the rest of the American team. And that makes me think that um, this is a very winnable game. It's, it's not, not to say that the U.S. are favorites, but that this is winnable for the Americans. Is that fair? That's very fair. I think it's uh, absolutely. I mean, do you expect them to win? No. But is it winnable? Yes. And I think they've shown it. If, if, if England plays the way they played in their group stage in the Euros. All these games are, I mean, there are some winnable games out there versus mm-hmm. England. They were slow. They were predictable. They were pragmatic. Uh, if they play that way, uh, they're going to have some trouble because that wasn't the England team we saw heading into the knockout stages. Yeah. I think what England fans would tell you is that that team very much like grew into that tournament, was maybe kind of sandbagging sure. through the group stage. So huh. Where are you going to play the United States men's national team well, in the group stage? Uh, don't judge them on that. Uh, what about Iran, the other team that we know will be in this group? A fascinating matchup for all the kind of geopolitical history between yeah. these two nations. What about on the field? Like, what was your reaction when you saw Iran drawn into this group? You know, first you go back and you think of 1998. Mm-hmm. You think of that era of players and that opportunity and how they ended up losing 2-1. to one. And, and How does that factor into this, though, right? That's well, like well the geopolitical, it, okay. it may be ancient history, but then you start doing some research, and I, I saw some comments from the coach, mm. you know, uh, Iran's head coach, talking about how they don't fear England. Let alone the United States. How it's going to be a very special, special game for his players against the, the United States men's national team. Um, talking about, listen, uh, some of these guys are going to play their first World Cups. Some of my guys are playing in their third and their second, second or third World Cup. So, definitely that experience factor there. Um, that could be tricky for the United States men's national team. But certainly, you would think for the United States men's national team, at least on paper, this is the game that you think would be the most winnable. The most winnable. Yeah, I'm looking at this Iranian team, and I made this comment before. Their roster looks a lot like the U.S did a decade ago. Not to say that the quality of the players is where the U.S. was a decade ago, just in terms of where they're playing. There's guys at at Feyenoord, at Porto, um, at Leverkusen. Good clubs, but not elite clubs. Um, Mehdi Taremi is a guy that is specifically, yeah, Yeah. he's double-digit goals, double-digit assists. He's kind of a, he's your, for Porto, uh, for Porto, very good. They did very well in World Cup qualifying. They they were ahead of South Korea, Mm -hmm. that South Korea. So it's, it's always tricky when you're talking about World Cup, but I do think the World Cup experience is a huge factor here. Based on like where the schedule is, this is probably a must-win because it's the last game. But even if it wasn't, as you look at the three teams in the group, this is the must-win game, right? If you don't take full points against Iran, you're probably not going through. If you don't take full points around, against Iran, there's no way you're going through. You have to assume that you're playing for a result against England. Uh, whoever comes out of that pot, the extra layer that comes out with the winner of that pot, I mean, I honestly hope it's a Scotland or, or a Wales just to increase the pressure on On, on England. England. Mm. Yeah, with that extra layer with the, with the rivalry there. If it's Ukraine, I think everybody in that group is going to suffer a bit because they're going to be the darlings of the tournament. You know? Right, right. So it sounds like of the three, you'd least, like, you're most likely to see Scotland. Probably, yes. A direct shot at our colleagues over at ESPN FC, both Craig Burley uh, and Steve Nichol. Let's ESPN move on FC to group. Let's move on to Matt Turner, shall we? Uh, and the story that will not end. Goalie, of course, for the New England Revolution, soon to be Arsenal. And, of course, the U.S. men's national team uh, played in the now infamous frozen game against Honduras in Minnesota in World Cup qualifying. What was the temperature at the beginning of that game? Something like five degrees Fahrenheit. Now, there's been a, a back and forth, right? Did Matt Turner suffer from frostbite? in this game. Did Matt Turner's injury have anything to do with the conditions in this game? Let's see if Bruce Arena can shed some, some light on it, shall we? Here is the uh, Revs head coach. Well, personally, I told him in advance, I thought it was stupid to be playing teams of that, that quality and those thinking that they have to be in those kind of uh, conditions. Having said that, we're, you know, we, we've been playing in a mess, obviously, 
in previous games here. But uh, U.S. soccer, uh, you know, I personally felt could have played in any venue in the country and, and would have succeeded in those games. So the, Matt's injury that he has now was not a result of the injury he suffered in the game in Minnesota. Sure. He got frostbite, actually, was his injury. He got frostbite. It was frostbite. So, that was brought up with Greg a couple weeks ago. And right. That was kind of. So why is it? Was there a communication issue? Like, uh, you know, why is there? Did U.S. Soccer not want you guys talking about this, or did you guys just talk about what? Matt's injury. Because the, the injury he has now had nothing to do with the frostbite he suffered in Minnesota. Sure, but it kind of was. It, it kind of seemed like there was just a lot of confusion coming in with. Uh, you know, I know there, was, there was no confusion. The, the frostbite was on one foot. The injury he has now is on the other foot, so you can't, there's no connection to it. Sure. But Bruce Arena there seemingly multiple times confirming a frostbite for Matt Turner due to the game in Minnesota. Matt Turner then went on social media to try and clarify everything that's going on. Here's what he had to say. I always try to be candid and honest with the media, as you all know, and I hate having to even do this. I gave an interview yesterday, and my words have been pulled around to fit certain narratives, so I'd like to set the record straight. The U.S. men's national team game in Minnesota has nothing to do with what's kept me off of the field these last few weeks. I had a brief bout with tendonitis after that game in my left foot that was quickly resolved and back to 100%. All right, Herc. So we got a back and forth here. We seem to finally have some confirmation. Is it something, nothing, or everything? All the different stories we're hearing about Matt Turner and his foot. Well, it's something. <laughs> That's for it's sure. It's not nothing, right? It's not nothing. Uh, let me go in two parts here. Uh, first, uh, Bruce Arena didn't need to tell us how incredibly stupid that was to play in Minnesota. In Bob Bradley did it on this show already. Bob Bradley did it as well. Um, he said against lesser quality opponents, he's absolutely right. Uh, no issue there. That said, that injury or that condition had nothing to do with even him missing time for the New England Revolution okay. and what is happening today. So it wasn't like that frostbite, okay? because I'm, I'm not even sure we can call it that. Right. I mean, it, it, We're I, not doctors. We are. Neither is Bruce Arena. Neither is Bruce Arena. And he's honorary. And, and, and from what Matt Turner said, that wasn't the case right there. That didn't prevent him from playing this injury today. But that doesn't the change thing? the fact that no. in Minnesota he suffered frostbite, uh, apparently. Apparently, uh, uh, apparently. Based on what everybody's telling us, that he suffered an injury because of the cold in Minnesota. That doesn't change that. And that's the problem here. No, 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 no. The problem here is the clarification. The problem here is the communication. Mm. The problem here is trying to hide things. Yeah. Okay? Because if it's too cold for the goalkeeper, it's too cold for the goalkeeper. He happens to be the only one on that field that we heard the game was too cold for. Stupid? Yes. Ridiculous to play there? Yes. But one has nothing to do with the other. He's not playing today because of a bad tackle in a preseason game, not because the weather was too cold. Tendonitis? Yeah. I've suffered tendonitis. It's too, it's too cold outside. Do your knees hurt? Yeah, they hurt every once in a while. It's too hot outside. Do you move a little bit slower? Yeah, I move a little bit slower. You're not telling us anything different. Now, Matt Turner himself has clarified that it's not to do with what right. – Bruce Arena classified as frostbite. Yeah. I would love to hear U.S. soccer stance on this. Yeah, I think it's important to hear note like that who's confirming what, right? Like right. basically there's been a, a attempt to not talk about this as frostbite, right? We, we don't want to say that it's frostbite. Uh, and I understand why, because it's going to make everybody look bad. But it's going to make people look bad, one, because of a decision that they chose, but also a decision that they've been doubling down on. They have. Like, if you rem that's to me the biggest thing. We've now heard from Bruce Arena. Uh, we've heard from Bob Bradley. They've told you what they think about that decision. But if you remember right after the game, it was 
wasn't just the U.S. Soccer Federation, like, social account. It was Greg Berhalter himself doubling down on this great idea to play in the you know cold. And clearly, clearly beyond whether you, you jeopardize the game and you put, you put a game that you were a huge favorite in, in, in risk for no reason, now we know, we can confirm that you put your players at risk. That, that happened, right? Seb, you know what the worst part is? I'll give you two, part, two mm-hmm. of the worst parts here. The, the worst part is one of, this is the direct result of what happened in Harrison, New Jersey, U.S. Men's National right. versus Coach. The overreaction. The over, yeah, but guess who scheduled Guess who was at that game? Who's coaching that game? Bruce. Bruce Arena, mm-hmm. okay? And now... You go here and you say, we're going to schedule this game in this part of the country because travel will be less. It's going to be less than an hour or more or less travel for us. And you risk your players, you risk the health of the opponents, you risk the health of the people in the stands because of travel time. You try to get too cute with these things. Uh, speaking of health, some bad news on the health front for the U.S. men's national team. Daryl DK, the latest player to be bitten by the injury bug. Herc, he's likely out for the season with a hamstring injury. Uh, of course, DK playing for West Brom. Major blow, especially at a position where the U.S. could use some guys getting hot. Man, it feels like just a year ago this kid was lighting it up. Mm. He was on the radar of the next starting nine. He plays in Gold Cup. An injury to his shoulder. To his shoulder keeps him out from playing from his best possible uh, footy. And then now this. is It just keeps coming for Daryl DK. Yep, the uh, 21-year-old striker, uh, as we mentioned there, expected to miss the rest of the campaign. That's the bad news. But there is some good news as well. Let's run it back, USMNT style. We'll start with Cameron Carter-Vickers. He got the game winner for Celtic against Rangers in one of the biggest rivalry matches in the world. How about that? It's a game winner, my man's a center back. It's a game winner? Mm-hmm. Okay, Cameron Carter-Vickers. Be very interesting to see if he sticks around with Celtic. Uh, a lot of teams find that signature. What about uh, very interesting to see if he gets a call-up, huh? Center back, a position of need, no? I mean, uh, he's definitely in that pool. I, I don't know why he hasn't been called. We will see uh, what this uh, Nations League. All right, speaking of positions of need for the United States, Terrence Boyd with a hat trick. Now 13 goals on the season. Yes, Herc, it's the uh, third (laughs) tier of German football, but still, the U.S. needs a nine. Yeah, that's not going to be Terrence Boyd. I love Terrence Boyd, but that that won't be Terrence Boyd. It's the third division in Germany. Still, hat trick is a hattie, 13 goals this season. Good for him. Great guy. It is uh, Terrence Boyd tearing it up. Uh, Maybe an outside shot. Very, very outside shot, you're saying, Herc, at the U.S. men's national team roster for the upcoming World Cup. From Terrence Boyd, we go to Haji Wright. Playing in Turkey, had a goal and an assist for Antalya Spor. Yeah, he needs to fire his agent. I mean, why don't you go from Cosmos all the way to Schalke? And then I, I, I don't know what's going on here, but it's good to see him scoring. You wish he had a little bit more stability in his club situation, but he's got some talent, man. Yeah. Goal and an assist there in the Turkish top flight for Haji Wright. Jesse Marsh. Look okay. at the techers from the manager. Okay, uh, Jesse. Okay, Josue. Look at that. Southampton. My man, he, he, he's showing out for the crowd now. He, he's yeah. honestly, you know what? And he's endearing the English fans, those Leeds United fans. Uh, they're just sitting pretty 16th right now. I, I would, I would describe that as sitting pretty, but yeah, they were trending in the yes. right direction for yes. sure. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! 
The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the hypnotic team. Every season is hypnotic and tequila season. Hypnotic liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Time for the good, bad, and the ugly from the weekend in Major League Soccer. Brandon Vasquez with his league-leading fifth goal for FC Cincinnati. Who's the most informed Mexican player right now? It's not Javier Hernandez. No, it's Brandon Vasquez. Yes, mm-hmm. he can represent Mexico. Also can represent the United States men's national team. Tata knows him quite well, too. Chula Vista native. Atlanta, right? Yeah, and was in Atlanta with Tata Martino. He's doing well. Pat Noonan has got him playing well. FC Cincinnati, uh, at the end of the day, did lose this game. Uh, they fell 4-3 oh, to Montreal. Is, your boy Take Jordi Mihailovic had, uh, had a great season. But here we I see said he was MVP bound. a list of the hottest starts to an MLS campaign. And uh, who knows, maybe Brandon Vasquez will find list. himself uh, on that list if he keeps up the great scoring for FC Cincinnati. Let's go to the bad New York City FC, Herc. The defending champions of Major League Soccer losing yet again, this time... 2-1 against Toronto at BMO Field. Watch That's this play, Seb. Just one win from their first five MLS games played so far this season. What's up with the Eden? That's the bad for me. It's not that they lost. Like, this should be a penalty kick. And it was overturned. Not called penalty kick. Pro, pro referees acknowledges that this should have been overturned. Acknowledges the gross, the grotesque error here. Toronto goes on to win. But this should have been a legit penalty kick. He got carded for it. So New York City FC then uh, the bad and maybe with some justification to complain about some bad refereeing, they fall to Toronto by a final score of 2-1 to one at a game where, and we'll show you this later, there was a very, very special guest, Hercules Gomez. Uh, but there it is, the defending MLS champions maybe suffering from a little campionitis and also the CONCACAF Champions League, right? They got to worry about that. Yeah, their travel to start off the season was, was ridiculous as well. Yeah, and, and the focus is elsewhere, at least. Yeah. Right MLS allows you to do Give that pass. Um, in the regular season. All right, from the bad, let's then go to the ugly. How about our good friends at Inter Miami? They lose again. <laughs> Three to one against the Houston Dynamo. Now. Uh, winless through their five games played so far this season. They have one point and a minus 10 goal differential. Surely then, her pressure mounting on Phil Neville. Well, you know what the worst part is? You look at who they've lost to. Some of the worst teams from last season, teams like Austin FC, teams like Chicago, Cincinnati, Houston. Why isn't Austin, Why isn't this Inter-Miami team getting better? Why can Austin get better? Why can Houston get better? Why can't you get better? I know a lot of it has to do with all these fines you took for cheating for being tramposos, but at some point you have to think like Neville's got to ride the ship. You've got to start seeing something because three goals for and 13 against. I asked pressure on Phil Neville. I meant it somewhat facetiously. We don't really think there's too much uh, pressure on him. There should be based on the results. This is what I was talking about earlier, man. Look at these two legends. Ronaldinho uh, at the Toronto FC game getting his just due uh, and with another legend, this one of Major League Soccer, Dwayne Di Rosario. Wow, look at the talent in that shot. Uh, Yeah, that's all. People are saying, what are you talking about? Di Rosario is one of the most talented players to play in this league. Ronaldinho goes without even saying, my man is a winner. He's won everything, everything. Everything you can win, he's won. Well, he didn't win the league at Mackey's, but. Wow, look at that. Uh, very cool scenes right there, very cool scenes right there. Shout out to D-Row too, man. Shout out Great to guy, right? And entertainer uh, at all times. Kids are pretty good. Inter-Miami, New England Revolution, that match Saturday on ESPN. Maybe, just maybe, Inter-Miami will find their first victory of the 2022 campaign. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. 
From the Launch Your Online Shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the Did We Just Hit a Million Orders stage, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. Mauricio Pedrosa then uh, joins us here on the set. This table, not quite the same table we shared over the weekend when we celebrated this young man's <laughs> 40th birthday. What a moment. The oldest man on the set, Mao. What a party. Am I the guy. oldest one here now? Yes, you are. Yes, you are. Up with two cachirules. I always <laughs> Google that. That was a great party, though, I got to say. Yeah. It was a good party. Always a, a good party with good company. So let's get into the draw then for Mexico, who, of course, were drawn into Group C. A lot of folks uh, focusing in uh, on the matchup with Argentina, but also Poland and Saudi Arabia in the group as well. The history with Argentina, uh, you don't need a briefing, but if you do, 2010, 2006, round of 16, Poland and Saudi Arabia, not so much a history between Mexico and those two teams. Mal, you see this group, your first thoughts, are Mexico favorites to go through? Yes. Mm. That was actually a good draw for Mexico because uh, of all the other teams that could have been drawn in that same group, I thought this place to what the Mexican national team does well. Because Poland is not a team that's going to draw back and just let you play. They also like to play, even though they haven't had great results as of late. And we all know that Saudi Arabia might bring some complications to the table. But Mexico is the better team, and they should win that game. Now, my biggest concern was the calendar, the schedule. Mm. Because you have to face Poland first. Then you have to play Argentina. And the final game should be against Saudi Arabia. At first, I thought, it's not idea, but now when I had, what, two, three more days to mm -hmm. think about it, I'm also okay with the schedule. Okay. I'd rather face Poland first, full force, no players booked, no, hopefully no Fresh. one injured, yeah. and you can go full force to play maybe the game that's going to decide if you make it past the I'm saying that, that's kind of the World Cup decider then. It's interesting to hear you say that perspective because I've done the opposite. At first I thought, oh, okay, Saudi Arabia last. So you got those three points kind of guaranteed late if you think that Mexico can do that. But then I was talking to this guy, Hercules Gomez, and what he points out is if Mexico doesn't take care of business in those first two games, and even if they do get a point, it could still be a situation where Mexico is playing Saudi Arabia and Poland and Argentina are playing and all they need between the two mm. of them is a tie and the conspiracy That never happens. No. I'm not saying conspiracy theories. And look, it, it is favorable because when you look on paper, uh, many are going to say it's, well, it's just Robert Lewandowski and Diaz Mas and 10 more. That's I don't what think I said. Well, that's, I don't think it's quite like that, but Mexico historically and Poland historically, well, Mexico take their chances. Think about this. Mexico's already got seven straight, okay? They're going for eight straight. Second round uh, finishes in, in World Cup play. Poland, their last two, European and World Cup stages, you're talking about the the World Cup and the Euros, they've not really done too well. You they don't look get at out it, of the group. They, they lose to Senegal, Colombia, Sweden, Slovakia. They've only beat Japan. I mean, it, of the six games total in the major tournaments, they won one of six. They won one. And Robert Lewandowski, zero World Cup goals. I mean, he did very well at the Euros, uh, all things considering his play individually. But it'll be very difficult if you think if you just based on him if you can lock him down if you can take care of that midfield because you got some Zielinski from Napoli this yeah. some interesting players it's an accessible game for them I'm okay with Johan Vasquez mm. neutralized Robert Lewandowski I'm, I'm, I'm completely okay <laughs> yeah. with that yeah. my that's man that's confidence but of course now Poland also struggled to make it to the World Cup right they they were in the same group as England well, and then they had to face Russia Russia yeah. right who were uh, disqualified and then go through Sweden 
to make it all this way. So it's not like Poland comes to the World Cup in great form either. I always like to look at what the other options would have been, right? We did it with the U.S. Pot three. You probably didn't want Senegal, right? No doubt. Japan, Iran, Morocco, Serbia, South Korea, Tunisia. I feel like Poland kind of fits right into the middle of that. But based on their recent track record, I'll go with you. I, I don't mind that matchup so much. Out of pot four, I think Saudi Arabia is just about the perfect draw. You could have gotten Cameroon, Ghana, and Peru. Those, those were the three you really wanted to avoid. Everybody else, Canada, Ecuador, Costa Rica, New Zealand, all those were off the table because of limitations in the yeah. group. So of the teams you could have got, man, Saudi Arabia, I'm, I'm not hating that one so much. I, th- I think that's a very good draw for Mexico. Out of yeah, you four. still have to take care of business. I mean, you still have to try to get a favorable result against Poland. That's, it hinges in that first game. It's the, your World Cup presence is right there. Right. The headline of the group is, of course, the team that comes out of pot one. That's Argentina. Just like we saw what the English press was saying, why don't we take a look at what the uh, Argentine papers and Argentine press are saying about the group draw. Okay, vamos. <laughs> that's not uh, overwhelmingly confident. El sorteo nos dejó una sonrisa. Wow, the draw left us uh, with a smile. Nada mal, nothing bad, says uh, Crónica. Let's hear what Emiliano Martinez, the goalie for Argentina, had to say about the draw. All right, I get it. This kid is cute, but how many times do we have to see it? Um, look, I mean, Yano Martinez is known as a guy who likes to talk some stuff. He likes a lot of personality, yeah. yeah it's a trash talker. Talk. Trash talker. Any, any problem with the reaction, the, the video coming out there? He seems very confident. He says, facile, facile, easy, easy. Because of who he is, I don't have a problem with it. It comes with his territory. It comes mm-hmm. with who he is. Uh, but we spoke about it with the U.S. men's national team in England. It'll be bulletin board material. That'll be uh, voiced uh, somewhat before the game, somewhat when the week of, leading up to, won't be the last time we hear about this easy, easy mm-hmm. Divo Martinez, but you've got to back it up. You talk it, you got to back it up. Now, so much history between these two. When you first saw Argentina, what was your gut reaction? <laughs> Give me that. Oh, I posted on Instagram. I just had to go, no, why again Argentina? But then I thought about it, and I'd much rather face Argentina in group stage, mm-hmm. right, than in a knockout stage match. I think that makes a lot of it. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm very happy to see that graphic that the production team presented because Mexico has done actually quite okay against the Giants in World Cup. During, okay. During, do, I mean, You'll take it. play, I'll yeah. take that. And I have no problem with Diego Martinez, what he did. He's actually right. Mm. Because Argentina, they could have faced Germany. They could have faced another much, much stronger squad because they were coming out of the A pod, right? Mexico comes out of the B pod. Fine, that's okay. And, and and I don't know if I necessarily agree with Herc with the fact that Mexico is going to use that. They're going to play that and try to motivate the players. I don't think that's their style, but I don't want to say if it's a rivalry or not, but it's a special game mm, for every single game. Mexican soccer fan. Go ahead. Let me ask you, Seb. Mm-hmm. 2006, 2010, two straight knockout. Yeah, thanks for bringing it up. Your immediate reaction yeah. when you saw it. Well, so you know this because you've, you've actually met a couple of the guys. My two best friends in the world are Argentine. So you can imagine how much humble pie I had to eat after 2006 and again after 2010. Yeah. Um, but if there was ever a moment that you said, okay, 
here we can have our revenge, here we can start to claw back some of that. It would take a World Cup matchup. So when I saw that, I thought, okay, maybe this is the moment. The other two things I would say about Argentina that maybe give me some optimism is of all the Messi's, uh, this is probably the Messi that I would want to face, aging Messi, Messi coming off a year at PSG where he doesn't seem happy. I think, I think that's the truth. And if I look at the rest of the teams in pot one, I think Argentina is also probably not the worst matchup in terms of style of play for Mexico. I'm not saying I wanted to face Messi. I'm just saying I I'd take this Messi over 2018 Messi and definitely over 2014 Okay, I think we're all, uh, we're all in agreement that this is most likely Messi's last World right. Cup. Right. Yeah. Correct? Okay. Most likely. Is that why you don't want to play him? Well, yes. That's why I wouldn't want to play him. You saw Messi at Copa America. They scored 13 goals. He was directly involved in nine of those. He was an animal. Granted, it's World Cup, it's, it's World Cup and the other one's Copa America. There is a difference in, in level. You're not always going to play Bolivia. You're not always going to play Venezuela. Uh, the whole uh, system to get into the knockout rounds was ridiculous. But look at his record when playing Mexico. I know. That doesn't it, make me feel great. It's Lionel Messi, so you can say this about a lot of different teams. But this is his last World Cup. This is an opponent he feels comfortable. That Argentina, Argentina feels comfortable against. I don't know if I'm like, this is the Argentina and this is the Messi I would want to face. 32, 31 games unbeaten. What's your fear factor of Messi? Like 1 to 10? Um, 10. <laughs> really? 11. Yeah, Still, but, it, but even this Messi. But here's the difference. To me, the biggest strength of this Argentina team is that it's not all about Messi. That should worry the you. The supporting that cast should worry is you. even better than in previous editions of the World Cup. So that's what's scary now, because in 2018, 2014, it was all about Messi, and it was not enough. Now I think he has a better supporting cast, and these, that makes Argentina an even more dangerous that's team. That's what worries me uh, yeah. for, for Mexico, is that they're even more dangerous because Scaloni has them defensively. They're La very scaloneta. Good. Mm-hmm. La scaloneta. They're very good. They're very good. They're very disciplined. They're very good in transition. Interesting players on the outside in the 1v1 situations, and Messi is still Messy in the yeah. world's gra- greatest yeah. stage. They're dangerous. Under Scaloni, they're, they're very pragmatic as yes. well. So I don't know that they're That's as dangerous thing. as, as those thing other teams in terms of doing damage to you. Speaking of damage, Poland, Robert Lewandowski, what's he going to do to Mexico, Mal? Well, he's uh, the, the big focus for Mexico's defense in that game, and that's going to probably be the plan for Tata Martino in the upcoming months. Now, how does he play, and how does Mexico defenders, how can, how can those defenders handle the things that he does well? Who's going to start for Mexico? Is it going to be Nestor Araujo alongside Johan Vasquez? Is it going to be Cesar Montes, Hector Moreno? Is do there going to be Do you any... need experience against a guy like Lewandowski? I think you need that experience, a, a and that might play in favor of Hector Moreno. And starting that game Yeesh. now, uh, the way Poland plays, they have a they have very direct game, right? Play to the strengths of Robert Lewandowski. My biggest fear is who's going to play on that left hand side of the center backs. Is it going to be Hector Moreno? He's low. Is it going to be Johan Vasquez? He's unexperienced. So I have two trains of thoughts with this. Okay, of thought with this. Uh, one is, well, this plays into the hands of what Mexico is good at these days, which is defending. They went five straight games in Concacaf play. Uh, defending. I don't know that they're that. They good didn't at have defending. to face someone like Robert Lewandowski. Well, forget by the way. about having to face Robert Lewandowski. But then I go back and think, during World Cup qualifying. Who were Mexico's best players? And you go back and you look at it, and it's Edson Alvarez mm-hmm. and Memo Ochoa. Mm-hmm. There's a reason they're the best players. So as good as they were defensively, Robert Lewandowski is not going to miss the one that Pulisic missed. He's not going to miss the one that Jordan Pifak missed in the Azteca. Robert Lewandowski is going to put those away. You can't count on Memo Ochoa and Edson Alvarez being your best players with a player like Robert Lewandowski in or about your box. And he only needs one ball, right? Mm-hmm. He only needs one yeah. chance. That's the biggest threat when you face a player like that. Yeah. And it's the first game, too. you got to be sharp to start this tournament. Otherwise, Robert Lewandowski is going to make you pay a lot more than the forwards that we've seen uh, in CONCACAF so far. 
Speaking of CONCACAF forwards, what about a, a young gentleman by the name of, ooh, Javier Chicharito Hernandez. Did you guys see this over the weekend? What did he do? What oh, all he did was bag a brace in the Los Again. Angeles Galaxy's 3-1 victory over Look Portland. at the movement. Look at the movement. Yeah. Yep. Insane movement. He still, he still got very good movement at one point in his career. It was world class. It's still very good today. I mean, third and fourth goals so far of this season. It's got Left everybody footed. talking about whether Chicharito should be back in the national team. What did the president of the Mexican Federation say? Here's Jan de Luisa. Yo en lo personal no lo tengo porque no lo he visto. No ha sido convocado. Eh, en ese sentido hemos sido muy respetuosos con las convocatorias del Tata. Él sabe que tiene nuestro apoyo con quien él decida. Y si Javier no ha sido convocado hasta el día de hoy, hay sus motivos y yo no vería sorpresas de aquí en adelante. Sí, esos motivos que son del grupo, que están en el grupo y que se han hablado en el grupo. Internamente, yo creo que se platicaron en su momento entre el director técnico y el jugador. Y si se ha decidido no convocarlo, pues es, es por algo. All right, so there we have it, the declarations of the president of FMF, Jon de Luis, about Chicharito. Herc, are you cool with it? No, it's the president talking. He's not anything to do with the sporting side. If it was Gerardo Torado, the, the sporting director, if it was even Tata Martino, anybody inside Tata Martino's inner circle, like the coaching staff, I'd be like, okay, he's an authorized voice, voice to speak on this. Mm -hmm. But you can't speak on who's going to be there in the final call because you're not the coach. Worry about scheduling the games. Worry about the homophobic chant. Worry about anything administrative. Do not give an opinion of who's going to be there and why they shouldn't be there. And even if you have to give an opinion, you have to leave the door open yeah. for all the players, not only Javier Hernandez, because if you don't now, and that's the part of his answer that I dislike 100%, you have to tell us why. Yeah. At this point, there is no sporting reason for leaving Javier yeah. Hernandez out of another uh, Mexican national team play, right? He has to be there. In I mean, he earned the right to be at least in the conversation. But if he's not going to be a part of the conversation because in the words of John De Luisa, the manager and the player, they yeah. know the reasons. I think we all deserve to know the reasons because if we don't, then we're going to start speculating with different things that might be true, might not be true. But in his spot, he has to be front coming and tell us why is Chicharito blacklisted from the Mexican national team? The reporter there, Mauricio Emay, kind of tries to push, right? Like, what is that cause? What is that cause? There's an, almost a sentiment now that I think is because we're not getting clear communication, that it's not just the Federation and Tata Martino. Now it's players. There's like a group of players within the team that don't like Chicharito. That's what I think is unfair. If you're going to insinuate that, you better bring well, names. It, you better it, be it's clear. Not, it's not only unfair to Javier Hernandez. It's unfair to those players. That's right. true. Because right. you're not yep. getting clarity. Right now, the names of Memo Ochoa and Andres Guardado are circulating, and you're not getting that clarity. So Tata Martino saying it's sporting reasons, and then you have the president of the Mexican Federation saying that, no, no, well, it happens to be that the coach knows and the player knows. That's all I can tell you. Last time we heard from Tata Martino on this subject, he said, you have to ask Ion de Luisa. Mm. And now that we heard Ion de Luisa, he said, it's a, it's a Tata Martino decision. So this just kept getting weirder and weirder. Yep. So Chicharito's chances then of making it to Qatar may be looking slim. What about a young man by the name of Marcelo Flores, a name we have tracked quite a bit on this show, and a name who today made his not first team debut because he didn't play, uh, but got his first team call-up with Arsenal for a match against Crystal Palace. The 18-year-old uh, Marcelo Flores. What a moment uh, for that young man. We should mention, sorry for our production, Arsenal did lose the game, right? 3-0. Uh, yeah. Again? Against Crystal Palace. 
Um, they, oh, oh, sorry. Uh, production just said, we're still fourth. We're still fourth. <laughs> wrong, 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 wrong. They're fifth. Yeah, that's right. They Spurs, dropped behind Spurs, Spurs to have yeah. better goal differential and, and all that stuff. Um, Mal, what does this mean, the fact that he's now a first-team player, uh, at least in name, for his chances of making the Mexico team in Qatar? Two things. He's, uh, he's leaving a good impression with uh, the managers, with the under-23 team, with the senior team for Arsenal. He scores like everywhere he plays. And he was just, again, part of the U-20 Mexican national team. He was the best players, uh, he, the best player uh, in the tour that they had in South yeah, America in Uruguay. Uruguay. He was Why? fantastic. Now, there's a report that actually came out in the final, in the, in the past 30 minutes, ESPN in Mexico has a report that according to someone in Tata Martino's circle, He's not, being, he's not being considered until for the now. World Cup. He's not going to be considered wow. for the rest of the well, way until the World Cup. So for now... That would be the ultimate sign of... Hey, of if I'm Canada, stubborn. if I'm Canada right now, I'm well, making a phone call to his dad. You want to go to the World Cup and Mexico's not going to take you? Canada will welcome you. Well, I don't Spain? know if they're making that phone call, but John Herdman has definitely talked about Marcelo Flores he, a lot more he's publicly. Spoken about, uh, John Herdman has spoken about Marcelo uh, Flores. There's now going to be, what, 26 players yeah, 26. in the World Cup roster, so that increases the limit, so that's even more room for a player. If Marcelo Flores were to be that player, the interesting thing here is the player may tweet, may put on Instagram anything you want about Mexico and Adidas and whatnot, but he's left the door open with Canada. But he never tweets and does all that stuff about Canada. But he's left the door open with Canada. So much that well, you player leaves every door open. Didn't we just say you never close the door? Well, hold on. He left the door open with Canada. Mm-hmm. You, you leave the door open, why? Because there's a possibility. And now you're hearing right now that in the last 30 minutes, Tata Martino's isn't even considering this. crazy is madness. Well, hold on. He's not even played first team, okay? You can say it's crazy. It's okay, madness, we got whatever. seven, eight months to the World Cup. You, you have to uh, allow for the possibility. But I'm not saying you're not, I'm not saying you're not wrong on this, but he's not played first team football. You've got players who have played first team football. Does he accept the call up to the Nations League? Because while we're here, Mexico's going to take a young squad. Yeah. And if that's the case, what does Canada do? Where does that fit in? Yeah. He's not closed the door. I don't think this, uh, this is a, uh, a done deal. Here. No. It, it feels like Tata Martino and Mexico should have more urgency to, to call this player up. They, they don't seem to right now, but hopefully that changes, especially with the ongoing pressure from Canada. Let's run it back, El Tristal, because there was some uh, good news for Mexican players abroad. We'll start with Chucky Lozano. He picked up an assist for Napoli in a big 3-1 victory over Atalanta, which moves them to within one point of the lead. Here he is uh, making plays in Syria. Oh, good little move right there. Inside and out, defender lays it off. The fourth assist of the season for him. He needs to get in better shape. He's, not a, he's still not 100%. Rhythm. Yeah, yeah. rhythm, uh, better shape, came off the bench, looked good. Hopefully, they'll give him more minutes in the final stretch of the season for Napoli. Looking a lot better there than he did with the Mexican national team. Maybe better teammates, Seb. Right? Yeah, better jerseys, too, maybe. <laughs> no doubt. Uh, as I mentioned, they're one point back of AC Milan at the top of Serie A. Santi Jimenez, his third goal of the season for Cruz Azul in a 1-0 win over Atlas. El Bebote! El Bebote Jimenez! It's a great nickname, by the way. And it's not. Uriel Antuna again, another assist. Uriel Antuna may be the most informed Mexican player today. So if, if uh, Chicharito is not going to be a part of the Mexican national team, that has to mean that Santiago Jimenez is number two to Raul Jimenez as their number nine, right? I mean, assuming there has is a number two, it might just be Raul Mori, Jimenez forever. For his has to be out of the picture by now. It has Mori, to be the big baby, El Bebote. Speaking of out of the picture, Ulises Davila, a player who's been dominating in the Australian league for quite some time. He gets his sixth goal of the season here for MacArthur FC. 
Uh, Chelsea legend. Uh, yeah. Like Matt Miazga. Yes. Right oh, nice little ball. Look at that little sexy Pasa ball. sexy. Ooh. No look. Yeah, man. Hey, maybe he'll be counted for the national team. Stop. 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 Conquer Half Nations League, the draw is out. Oh, look at these groups, my goodness. Hold your breath. Uh, United States gets El Salvador and Granada. Mexico getting Jamaica and Suriname. Any first reactions there, Herc? I did not know this was happening. Yes, you did. <laughs> no, no, the tournament like this. Oh, the yeah. World Cup. yeah. Marcelo Flores is gonna, <laughs> Marcelo Flores is gonna score five goals in those two games Actually, against Jamaica and I don't Suriname. Mind, no, no, I don't mind it. I think it's, I think it's, a, we'll talk about it later, but I think it's a mistake if you just take a young group. Right. It's all about the approach here, right? Is yeah. that basically Mexico is going to take a young team. U.S. sounds like they're going to take their full team and kind of bring that group together. You've got two windows besides this to get your team Before ready. Before the World, World Cup. Cup. Yeah. You right. just got to get as much time as possible. We should know different teams too, right? Mexico probably has been together a lot more. They're a lot more better in the U.S. Maybe needs that time together more. How about this news from our friends at ESPN in Uruguay? It looks like Uruguay uh, will be coming to the United States to face both the U.S. and Mexico uh, in June. This, of course, would replace the games with Argentina because Mexico can't exactly. do that anymore. Right? They're going to pinch hit for Argentina. Uh, Lionel Scaloni, right after the draw, he said uh, the game against Mexico now is not happening. But if it's the Uruguay A team, you like still, it. yeah, I'll take that. Yeah, that's the point, I'll right? You want, you want that good competition, Herc. This would certainly be that. Yeah, uh, you're, you're, <laughs> if it was Argentina, I think it would... I mean, obviously you're playing a very good informed Argentinian team with a very good star power of Lionel Messi, but you'll take Uruguay. Hopefully it's still Los Angeles so we can, uh, we can make a trip out. Right. Even yeah. if it isn't in Los Angeles, we'll make, we'll the, make trip. the trip. No that's doubt. Right. <laughs> Football Americas will be there. All right, that's it. we got to say goodbye, Mal. Hey, oh. happy birthday. Happy birthday. Oh, that's Wednesday, right. Wednesday, Wednesday, Wednesday. I'm still not 40. No? Come back soon. Holding on to the 30s. Huh? Holding on with his teeth on the, on the crossbar. Hercules Gomez uh, still for a few moments anyway in his 30s. By the time they play this game, though, Herc will be well into his 40s. You can't lose well this game. Well into his 40s. You can't lose this game. Uh, Rayados against Santos. That one Saturday, 7.30 p.m. Eastern time. Match you can watch on both ESPN Plus and ESPN Deportes. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Let's get to the game because the game was, uh, was fantastic. They're calling it the Chan Classico, her Terrible name. Great game, though. Uh, first goal oh, here. Oh, no! Jody Taylor. Uh, yeah. Scrapping it across the line, and uh, San Diego takes the early lead. Yeah, she got a second bite at this. Look at this. First one tries heading it. Good save here. Then traps it with the right foot, the right thigh, off to the left, and good goal. Hope you took the over in this one. 38th minute. Oh, oh no. Oh, no. This is just the worst kind of own goal. Uh, Tegan McGrady with the honors, if you want to yeah, call it that. Yeah, dishonor. Tegan McGrady always outside of the goalpost. There's a reason for that. Oh. First half stoppage time. Alex Morgan. Yes, two to one, San Diego. Yeah, this is a brave finish. You'd expect the, the defender here to, to completely clean her out. Look at this. 
Doesn't really leave her feet, doesn't make a play. Good finish. You want star power? We'll give you star power. Kristen Press makes it 2 2. Okay, okay, 2 2. Where were we? Why don't we get the invite here? It's fortunate bounce right back into her path, and she's not going to miss it from there. Do you see what I mean about how the jerseys just look different in, they do. in person? Right? I like the short color scheme, too. That this, oh, it's a sick finish. You like this, huh? Alex Morgan, second of the day. Uh, it's just a nice little volley. She catches it cleanly. Keeper's going opposite way. Good finish. And then San Diego Wave adding another. Amir Ali in the 81st makes it 4 2. Uh, Maria Ali had some help there, decided to go herself. There she is. Let's hear from Alex Morgan, post game. Yeah, I think uh, we were just feeding off of the crowd's energy. You say cheese. And, uh, you know, we didn't get the result that we wanted last week, uh, but uh, we knew we had an opportunity this week to turn it around um, in front of a great crowd. And we felt really good coming into this week. Um, on week three, we wanted to get our first win in club history, and I feel like definitively we're able to do that and show that on the field. It's always great to put the ball in the back of the net as a forward. Um, that's our job. It's what we're meant to do. It's what we're expected to do. So to be able to do that a couple times tonight, um, you know, just it, it feels great. And then obviously to give the crowd what they wanted, um, to give this organization uh, what we deserve, um, it's really nice to, to get quite a few goals from a number of players tonight. All right, for more on this game, we now welcome into Football America as a member of Angel City FC's ownership group, Julie Foudy. Julie, welcome back to the show. I got to ask you first the most important question about the nickname for this rivalry. Of course, Chanclas means sandal. What do you think about the Chanclasico? Are you pro or against? Uh I am, I am definitely pro. Las Chanclas Classico. Chanclas <laughs> Classico, for sure. I, I loved it. I was like, yes, that is perfect. And I'm very happy that you both, I think you both said dripping on the uniforms. Well, is that yeah, correct? Of course. Of course. Yes. Are you happy enough to send us some? That's, <laughs> that's, that's the most important thing. I know. I know. I know. I heard that, too. I was like, oh, I'm on that, too. Come uh, on, Angel City. Uh, Julie, let's get to the game itself. Good. I mean, it really had everything you could want. We talk about rivalries, but you need great games to make rivalries. Uh, this one happened. You had goals from Kristen Press. You had goals from Alex mm -hmm. Morgan. Just, just a perfect game to fire off this uh, Angel City-San Diego clash. Yeah, and you know, and I'm not going to spend the first few minutes making excuses for Angel City, but I will just give it 10 seconds. A lot of injuries, as we know, mm -hmm. coming into this Challenge Cup for Angel City, and uh, three games in the last eight, eight days. San Diego didn't have a midweek game. However, San Diego with that front line of Alex Morgan firing, which it looked like on all cylinders, Jody Taylor in the nine, and then Sophia Jakobsen, who we saw uh, in the last Olympics for Sweden in her NWSL debut. I mean, that front three alone for San Diego. And then you take their back line, you take Turnbow, who's in midfield, just playing so great. I mean, that is a really good expansion side. I say it again, expansion side, mm. to have that depth uh, in their first year going uh, and to look as good as they did in that game, I mean, that was, a, that was a really good performance, I thought. And a huge performance. Two goals and an assist, I think, right, for Alex Morgan. She looked sharp. Um, that was a big game for her. All right, well, let's talk about Alex Morgan. Uh, obviously, a player who has left off the most recent roster for Vlatko. Uh, if there's a message that she's sending, what is this message from Alex Morgan? 
Yeah, look at me again, right? <laughs> I mean, I think all those veterans are, are in that same boat where um, they're, and I think this is intentional. And 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 maybe, uh, you know, Vlatko is clearly sending a message of, yeah, I, I see you as a veteran, Alex Morgan, Kristen Press. Um, I mean, we can go down the list, Rapino, Tobin Heath, but you also got to show me that you're going to get back in there with the club programs. Um, for various reasons. Obviously, Alex Morgan was coming off injury. Kristen Press took six months off for a mental health rest. Uh, Tobin Heath was coming off injury, Rapino. So, but this was, uh, I think, a really good performance for Alex Morgan. And I would say for Kristen Press, given her six months off, she has been looking sharp. She got a goal, as you mentioned at the top of the highlights there. So, Overall, I think for the veterans players, they're, they're going to take some time to get back in it. But it is it is definitely some motivation when you're not called in to either of the April friendlies. Two players you kind of feel like, though, if they do keep scoring, are going to be basically impossible for Vladko Andonofsky to leave off of future rosters. So what about a player, Julie, like Julie Ertz? Uh, we found out today that she's pregnant, so obviously going to miss some time with the U.S. women's national team. Of course, it's, it's a great moment of joy, and we offer congratulations to her and her husband, Zach Ertz, but as far as it matters for the U.S. women's national team, this is a huge player for Vladko Andonovsky, isn't it? So uh, what impact does this have on the USA moving forward, her absence here? Yeah, yeah, a huge player. Yeah, I, I think you could even argue he sets up his midfield around Ertz in the six. Um, and what a pivotal position and role she has played for this team. And to not have her in full force at the Olympics showed you know, what she brings. Um, and so, yeah, it is a huge loss. But at the same time, when it's for something that you want to rejoice and celebrate in such a great way, um, and for the two of them to be having their first child together, uh, you know, you, you shrug your shoulders and you, you say there, there's obviously more to life than football. And so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just thrilled for them that they have this opportunity um, to, to bring their first child into this planet and make it a better place. Absolutely. So congratulations then to Julie Ertz. And look, we have plenty of examples of players who leave the national team, have a child and then come back and perform. So uh, we should not expect exactly. anything else from Julie Ertz. All right. Uh, let's move on to some performances from U.S. Women's National Team players Domestically and abroad, Julie, from over the weekend. Let's run it back. We'll start in the NWSL because Mallory Pugh is red hot right now. Her fourth goal of the Challenge Cup, Julie. I know. And there you just see her pace. You just can't stop it. Maybe she didn't mean to take that first touch as she did, but that's the beauty of having that pace, something I never had the gift of. Uh, But Mal Pugh looking very sharp. A lot of those younger kids actually uh, looking very sharp. Sophia Smith as well with the thorns. Chicago 2-0 winners over Houston. Lindsay Horan, she got an assist in the Champions League for Lyon. That's about what you expect from her, right, Jules? Yeah, look at the little overlap. She fakes like she's going to take it wide. Instead, cuts it back. Good to see Lindsay Horan playing over in Lyon and doing so well, getting a chance over there. Such a good player. Advanced a 4-3 past Juventus on aggregate. Here's one of the reasons why. (laughs) Katarina Macario. Let's go, Kat. Uh, Look at this little touch. Behind. Thank you very much. I mean, Kat Macario is playing some soccer. So excited for her future with the United States. Excited for that Lyon PSG matchup in the semifinals as well. Tobin Heath, her second goal for Arsenal in the WSL. Yeah, good little, 
goal scorer's goal. A little movement to keep it alive. You can see her on the on the top of your screen. Look at her little movement. Uh, just gonna get in there, sneak in there. Good to see Tobin Heath on the scoreboard. Absolutely. So there she is, uh, Tobin Heath, getting it done for Arsenal. All right, Julia, your assignment before the next time we bring you on this show, we, we need some we need some Angel City gear, okay? I, I'm serious Swag. this time. I mean Swag. it. Otherwise, I will have San Diego gear on the next time. Oh, next time we wow. Do okay? <laughs> Don't even threaten that. Don't even start that. There she is, uh, Julie Cowdy. Yeah, great to see you as well. Of course, you can catch Julie on her podcast, uh, Laughter Permitted, always one to enjoy. Julie will also be on the call for the United States women's national team against Uzbekistan. Uh, that game slated for Tuesday, April 12th, uh, 7 p.m. Eastern time. That one on ESPN2 and streaming live on the ESPN app. In case you missed it, Timbers Galaxy match over the weekend. Hurt, don't know if you caught this. Uh, Madison Shanley, she's the anthem singer. She's been singing uh, at Timbers games since 2009, wore a You New t-shirt, an obvious reference to the handling of recent scandals by the management of the Portland Timbers. I actually had a chance to speak with Madison today, and she confirmed to me, Herc, online reports that a Timbers high-ranking employee actually did call her father uh, and asked her father to ask her not to wear the shirt. Uh, so we have that. Your reaction to uh, this, the latest that we're hearing out of Portland? Uh, what I will say is the people of Cor Portland uh, deeply care about their team. Mm -hmm. Deeply. This will not go away for them. And we ran into a good amount of those Portland fans in Mexico City mm. uh, at our at the American party, Outlaws. At the American Outlaws viewing party. And, and the response to the show was overwhelmingly positive. But one of the few things we always heard was thank you for your coverage of what's going on right now in Portland. Please continue that. So uh, they're not going to go away and to forget. And it's quite troubling some of the things we're hearing. And you just hope um, that Major League Soccer and that the people in Portland, um, the ownership group would come out and address some of these. Yeah. Uh, so I did have a chance, as I mentioned, to speak with Madison. Uh, on top of what I told you she confirmed, she also confirmed to me that that same Timbers employee, a high-ranking team official, questioned her about the decision um, to wear the shirt before she sang the national anthem. And she told me that she walked away from that conversation, convinced her that if she wore the shirt, she wouldn't be singing national anthem at Timbers games. Oh. Let, me, let me just finish yes. this because it's important. That's not what's happened. The Timbers have invited her Correct. to come back and sing, and they've also offered to have a, a meeting with her to, to further explain what's going on. And when I spoke with her, she said that she would be um, down to have that meeting. So that, that's the latest that we can give you. Yeah. Uh, hopefully things get better uh, before they get worse. But yeah. Um, all right, that's it for us here on Football Americas. Uh, we will be back on Thursday, another edition of the show here on ESPN. Plus, Kellen Acosta of LAFC and the U.S. men's national team scheduled to join us. And, of course, as always, a final reminder, if you don't like looking at Herc's face, which can get tiresome, can get tiresome after a while, you can listen to this show. Not my eyelashes. People love my eyelashes. You can listen to this show in its audio form via podcast. Check it out in the ESPN FC feed. That's my lipstick, bro. That's my lipstick. <laughs> Lip close.